everybody, I'm Maya. I'm Melissa. And I'm Olivia. And we're here to take you back to your Twilight, your Twilight phase. phase. Hi friends. It's good to see hey. you. Olivia cut us off so we couldn't comment on how we did. I think we did <laughs> great. It's because we always fucking do it. Every no, time. Now it's a thing. Now we have to. Hi, <laughs> listeners. How are cool you? Cool cats. Hey, cool cat. Cool cat and kittens. Cool I've never cool, I haven't uh, watched that show. Cool Vanson Wolfpack. I know hip things. Cool witches and selkies. <laughs> what other like mythical pe- people could be in Forks? Trolls. <laughs> As previously they discussed. They probably have a lot of like bridges. Sasquatches. Oh, for sure. Hey, Sasquatches. <laughs> is the correct term is uh is it Sasquatches or Yetis or is that regional? I mean, things. I typically say Bigfoot. Oh yeah, wow, but it has saying, so many names. But do you say Bigfoots or Big Feet? It's bad either way. <laughs> um, I would say I think Bigfoots. <laughs> when my mom thought that my aunt had seen a Bigfoot, she called and was like, "Tell me about the Bigfoot." Um, I remember you saying that, and I specifically thought, like, oh, that means there's more than one. Yeah. Right. So I think I'd say foots. Anyway. I just defaulted to Sasquatches because it made more sense. So uh, what's up with you guys from the last week? Not much. Uh, We recorded a great bonus episode for Patreon. That's been fun to do. That one, actually, I had a lot of fun. Um, what we talked about was Stephanie Meyer has been posting quotes from Midnight Sun on her um, website. So if you guys aren't subscribed to the Patreon, so you don't know about that episode, so you don't know about those quotes, <laughs> go check out the quotes. They're pretty fun. Yeah, very cool. And she's also announced some tour plans. So go check it out if you haven't already. Yeah, get on over there. You know, do a little wolf shuffle that direction. <laughs> if you could see Melissa's face, oh man, she's she's not amused by the wolf shuffle. Well, we're probably Dumb. about to make that face to Melissa because it's Melissa's turn to do the recap, and it's the funny because she read this chapter one million years ago, way it's longer true. ago than either uh, of us. I started reading ahead a couple weeks ago and I finished the book over a week ago so <laughs> none of this is fresh good um, luck I'm did you excited. guys did you guys get in trouble in school for reading ahead yes why did schools do that I don't think I ever actually but I also if I had done it I probably didn't like tell anybody oh I was I was a big spoiler so it makes sense <laughs> I hate spoilers as previously discussed so. <laughs> In fact, I would normally read the book quicker than everyone else so that I would know what it was before everyone else so that I could ruin it for everyone else. Wow, you're a horrible person. <laughs> Thank you. How are we even friends? I can't <laughs> believe you did that on purpose. <laughs> it's a power move. Melissa, were you a bully? No, I wasn't a bully. Um, there was so a So you moment. were just mean without... <laughs> Yeah, as you guys know, I'm just mean to everyone. I don't, right. I don't single anyone out. Indiscriminately. Yeah. Equal opportunity. That <laughs> uh, Bella knows what's up with the vampires and that, you know, now they got insider intel and they can, like, come up with a plan. Um, but, you know, his wolf buds are all mad. So, like, you, you shouldn't have brought Bella. You shouldn't have told Bella, blah, blah, blah. And they get all <laughs> angry and and may or whatever you want to call it and jacob and one of them paul they shift into wolves right in front of her eyes Um, (gasps) and they they start like fighting each other because that's what boy wolves will do apparently so they fight and then bella and two of the other non-wolfy pack members take her to Emily's house we meet Emily for the first time there's some deeply problematic things there um and basically we just find out that their plan is to keep 
Bella at La Push and I don't know, keep staking out for Victoria. It doesn't really seem like much of a plan, um, but that's what they decide. And is that it? We end the chapter with her feeling anxious as usual and feeling all, oh no, about Edward again. And I think that's it. I'm done. I will say that was a lot better than I was expecting. Yes. Okay. Um, I'll give you an eight. Well, I think it's well. a seven because okay. it was a little long. Uh huh. But it was correct. You didn't like mix <laughs> up things from different chapters. And the Which only is honestly thing impressive. That like really so matters true. that I think you left out is that Emily has like a really big scar on her face. Right. That. I didn't want to necessarily go into what I found deeply problematic, but the description of Emily said that I find deeply problematic. So I was, I didn't I really know how to handle notes. it in the moment. I have to say, I just turned to page 324 and 325 again, and I wrote so many things. I wrote all over. Oh yeah, I just, this scribbles. So much. So we've, me, the whole pack really for the first time she's seen them from afar but like was in with them and so we had our first real introduction to werewolves as actual like people and characters and this whole thing is so aggressive it's so um, gross they're all very packy uh they're like they're all hidden behind jacob they all became furious in the same second which I thought was very like animalizing of them that like they all reacted together at the exact same time. It's like a hive brain kind of thing. Yeah, like a wolf pack thing, but like going in a little too hard. Right. And then this whole page, Jacob and Paul are literally yelling at each other and <laughs> growling at each other. <laughs> all of that is true and valid, but I want to give Stephanie Meyer a complo. Uh, right at the very top of the chapter, Bella's like, you know, I thought that the wolves were going to be like one way, but when I saw them, like, they were just four really big half-naked boys. And I was like, that's, <laughs> <not."> <laughs> that's um, true. It, it, it is funny. It would be more funny if in the following pages they acted more like four really big half-naked boys, but instead they act very wolfish. <laughs> yes. We get all just so angry. They're so we get some boyishness after Jacob and Paul leave the scene. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of just like you know, good natured boyishness. Okay, you know what this scene is? This scene is like the best and worst of boys will be boys, you know, (laughs) like. Oh, boys will be boys. Let's excuse all this terrible toxic masculinity between Jacob and Paul fighting. Then there's also boys will be boys in the sense of like, Embry is just like good natured and like betting with his friend and like treating Bella nicely. It's like, that's what boys will be boys could mean. Right. They pick up each other's clothes after they morph into wolves and fight each other. They're like, (laughs) oh man. Jake just ripped through his last pair of shoes again. <laughs> like, oh, he's screwed. Billy's not yeah. going to keep buying him more shoes. Yeah, and they're like, Paul is probably just out of pants. <laughs> <laughs> We're pretty sure he has no more clothes. Um, I did want to talk about the whole, I don't know, turning into wolf process. Yes, how they phase. That's what I was just going to say. We have to talk about this how right and one that they phase like that's the verb that we chose to go with which i thought was very interesting no i i was saying collectively as as also includes stephanie oh okay um but we choose phase also as in like moon phases Mm. i'm just saying we're really hitting on that moon and werewolf thing even though apparently per jacob that's a load of baloney that we shouldn't prescribe to has nothing to do with the moon listeners if you've managed to forget what this is like the first time it happens here it is 
Paul seemed to fall forward, vibrating violently. Halfway to the ground, there was a loud ripping noise, and the boy exploded. Dark silver fur blew out from the boy, coalescing into a shape more than five times his size, a massive crouched shape ready to spring. And then um, just down from here, Jacob also phases. Mid-stride, a long tremor shivered down Jacob's spine. He leaped forward, diving headfirst into the empty air. With another sharp tearing sound, Jacob exploded too. He burst out of his skin, shreds of black and white cloth blasted up into the air. It happened so quickly that if I'd blinked, I'd have missed the entire transformation. This gave me really strong popper, puffer fish vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like dynamite, like they've been blown up. I kind of hate the explosion metaphor. It's very, yeah. I mean, I guess it would be like really dramatic and unpleasant to see this happen to somebody for the first time. I like the description of he burst out of his skin, but I don't like the description that he exploded. But, like, that's basically the same thing. I don't quite understand the sharp tearing sound. Is that the like sound of his sound. clothing, or is it that, like, the sound clothes. of the transformation? Oh, maybe it's supposed to be the clothes, but I feel like you read it as though it's just the noise that happens right. to them. I imagine there has to be a noise. Like, you're suddenly growing... <laughs> five times your size in a second there has to be a noise associated with it right I don't I definitely think there's got to be a noise but like would it be sharp or would it be like a dull growling growth noise (laughs) like I'm not a writer I'm an editor it happens in half a second so I guess it makes sense that it's like one loud sudden bang like a clap Um, there's a part where Bella is wondering about his size. She says he's so enormous that I couldn't make sense of its mass somehow fitting inside Jacob. And I was like, ew, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> it made me think about watermelon. <laughs> you know how when you cut a watermelon, you're like, how is there so much watermelon inside of this watermelon? No, I've, I've never, never thought, thought that. that. <laughs> Every time I cut a watermelon, I'm like, how did this thing turn into so much food? What? I cut watermelons, so much watermelon. They are large. Okay. They fit inside their corresponding shell. They don't, like, you don't... Yeah, but when you look at it, you're like, how did all of this fit? (laughs) No, I never wondered that. Well, I bet the listeners have wondered as it, well. It very much stays within the size of the watermelon that I can already see. I really wish Stephanie Meyer... Of course Meyer it actually does, but it looks here. larger after it's been cut to me. Okay, well, these wolves apparently grow five times their size. Yes, it's obviously just- different. <laughs> I'm just saying it reminded me. It's Jesus. Great. It's great. I love it. I might have picked something, like, fluffier that actually, like, you know, gets stuffed inside of a pillow. And then, like, whatever. Uh, I wanted to point out that, as I said, this is our first introduction to werewolves, and it's really aggressive, and it's it's sort of like what Edward was trying to do in the meadow, but I feel like the effect is totally different. Right. Nobody can ever give Bella like, the impression that they are trying to give her. (laughs) Like, if they're trying to scare her, she's like, I'm intrigued. This is cool. Yeah. And if they're, like, like, I don't know, like, Edward also tries to, like, tell Bella later about, like, the dangers of werewolves, and she's just like, "Mm, I don't know, not computing, you know, I'm not quite seeing it. But then here, she is a little bit freaked out. I mean, I, th- I oh, yeah. felt like she was more freaked out by this dangerous side of the wolves than she was by Edward's dangerous side the first time she saw it. Here, right. I felt like she was more scared for Jacob than scared of what was happening. Right. right. She's like, not quite scared for herself. Right. Scared of the situation and not necessarily the wolves themselves. Yeah. Right. Like, a teenage boy, like, turning into a wolf, if that just happened in front of her and there was no threat, I think she'd be like, huh, me too. Interesting. Um, <laughs> wow. But, like, since they're fighting, she she's terrified for Jacob's safety. Yeah, she's very scared when they start fighting each other and the boys are, like, 
man laughing they're so dumb like you know (laughs) is this like what day in a row is it that paul has turned into a wolf because he was mad and they're taking bets on who's gonna come out better from this fight a lot of casual violence oh it's very casual if i were paul i would be like guys Look, I'm just out here doing my best. I don't understand why you guys aren't more angry all the time. There's a lot to be upset about. And I'm out of clothes and my family can't afford to buy me more. And you guys laugh about that. And it fucking sucks to be a werewolf. Yeah, he just does whatever the fuck he wants. Like they can all mind meld. Do you think that would make you get along with people better or worse? Worse. Because Obviously, on the one hand, you hear all the terrible things that people think and don't say out loud, but you can also see their underlying motivations better. I think that, like, yeah, like it's just if normal. I disagree with you, like, if you, like, think something that hurts my feelings, it's not going to hurt my feelings less just because I understand why you did it. Right. True. So I think I would but, land in the same place just with a lot more information. But wouldn't that ultimately make it worse because theoretically people filter most of the mean things that they think or at least like some so you would hear more mean things overall yeah I think it would be worse but sometimes I think nice things about people and then forget to say them out loud right yeah that would also happen yeah but I every nice thing that comes to our mind but I definitely more likely have uh weird thoughts that I don't voice out loud (laughs) because I acknowledge that they shouldn't be voiced out loud and I can't control that my mind just went there you know I think I think the weirdest stuff like the second I turned into wolf I'd be like tacos and butts and captain (laughs) underpants fighting the empire state building like they'd be like what are you thinking stop it and my mind would search for the weirdest most bizarre things to say next it would be like what if Greece were made of pizza like (laughs) stupid meaningless shit I feel like I would accidentally think my secrets because it would be like uh oh can't think about my secrets and then I'd be like wait what are my secrets do I have secrets and I'd be like oh yeah that's a secret I can't think about the $10,000 hidden under my mattress. <laughs> I think I would really project my feelings, especially of annoyance. Like, if someone were being annoying, I would just, like, project my annoyed feelings at them. Right. Without necessarily verbalizing that I think they're being dumb. Actually, I might like that. <laughs> just there everything's out on the table. No surprise parties ever. Really? <laughs> well... Yeah, that'd be really hard because it is only when they're wolves. But as previously stated, as soon as you have a secret, it's going to be the first thing that you think as soon as you realize that you can't think about your secret. Yeah, it's kind of impressive that Jacob managed to not turn into a wolf in between the events of last night and the events of this chapter (laughs) so that they can be surprised that he's showing up with Bella. True. Um, I would like to talk a little bit about why Paul gets so mad about Jacob bringing Bella. Um, he says, why can't you just follow the rules, Jacob? One, it's hilarious that Paul is like a hall monitor. Like, <laughs> just follow the rules, man. Uh, he yelled, throwing his arms in the air. What the hell are you thinking? Is she more important than everything, than the whole tribe, than the people getting killed? She can help, Jacob said quietly. Okay, I don't know that I understand Paul's argument here. Like, what about telling Bella about the existence of werewolves puts the, like, changes the danger level of the tribe or the people out hiking? They think that she's a leech lover. Like, I think they think she's squarely team vampire. Do you think think she's, like, in contact with them? That she'll, like, tell the vampires? Yeah, I definitely think that, one, especially because at that point they saw her with Laurent in the forest and they don't know that that was not a friendly encounter. But they're pretty Um, sure. Because they all say, like, we, like, we made, like, Embry later is like, 
you're like not mad, right? Like it seemed like he was killing you. And she's like, oh yeah, right. no, he was killing me. Like, he's the same guy. thing that Jacob did. So they all seem to be on the same page. About but like, they don't know. And I mean, no. like they were previously, you know, she was in a relationship with someone who's a vampire. And as far as they know, they just left to leave. Like there's no reason behind them leaving for them. And that it's related to Bella. But they also know that the Cullens didn't fight anybody in town. They know that the Cullens didn't break the treaty. And so these new vampires who are killing aren't Cullens, as far as they know. So, like, do they really think Bella would be, like, team let's murder humans? Well, maybe a danger that she poses more generally is telling other people about the werewolves separate from the vampires killing people maybe it's more of like protecting their secrets as a group and just telling anybody outside of the group their secrets feels like a threat because i'm in the same way that the cullens are really scared about edward telling bella telling a human finding out about either group is potentially a threat to their living in the place where they are or you know well being that found leads out. me to another question that i have which is how the fuck do they manage to keep being werewolves secret jacob <laughs> okay we actually got an email we forgot to read emails we can read this <gasps> at the end Damn. um because we forgot at the beginning but we got an amazing email from cj cj thank you so much um that included links to Stephanie Meyer's website and some like extra content that she wrote for New Moon, which once I had started reading, I was like, oh my God, I totally read this back in the day and just forgot about it. But one of it is like Twilight and New Moon from Jacob's perspective. Mm. Um, it's like 16 pages, so like hugely condensed. It's not really like stylized. Um, it's just like beat by beat his perspective. Huh. And he phases for the first time at home with Billy. Mm-hmm. So if this right. happens to other people like how do their parents not know that they're wolves i, I wonder if, parents know yeah i wonder if it's maybe an open secret in the tribe i bet we have listeners who remember how this is handled better than i do so From what i you read remember, it's not like everybody who's not a werewolf doesn't know about it except it was like three people Billy. Um, it was Billy, Harry, and someone else are the only ones who, like, really remember. So then when Harry dies, there are only two people, non-wolves in the tribe, who, like, actually know. And I guess Emily. Yeah, that's kind of silly. Like, it doesn't, like, make sense. Yeah, all of their close family. I guess maybe there's a chance that the other parents trust say billy or sam enough to be like well you know they're just teenage boys being boys being out all night off with his friends all the time ruining their clothes apart (laughs) (laughs) like you know how boys go through jorts (laughs) (laughs) you know how boys go through sneakers it it definitely makes a lot more sense if it's just an open secret within the tribe yeah, that's what I you just, should have done. I Yeah, I assumed that because in order to be a werewolf, you have to have been descended from one of the original members who became werewolves that like within those lines, like it was sort of a passed down. Passed down mythology, family right, mythology. Right, or something like that. Um, but Well, if you had that in your family, you'd be a lot more likely to recognize the signs when your teenage son becomes a werewolf right (laughs) so paul is really mad and i still don't fully feel like i understand his anger it definitely feels overblown like even on the page it's like okay well he's angry about this thing but it's like a little excessive yeah he turns into a werewolf and physically fights jacob about it he needs anger management class for sure. <laughs> um, Jacob steps, like Paul looks really mad and Jacob steps in between Paul and Bella, which is a very classic Edward move. Um, mm-hmm. 
it just feels like people are constantly stepping between Bella and a danger. And I want to see Bella, like, I don't know, step between Jacob and a danger or something. <laughs> like, like I'm she's tired. ready to do it. Yeah, I'm tired yeah, of her would being do presented it. as like, you know, even though she is the most fragile of um, our main <laughs> characters, this like fragile, delicate being. Like, I don't know, let her be free. She always wants to do that. The only reason that she's ever worried, like you said, is for other people, not really for herself. Oh so yeah, she only give she a could shit about step herself. in front of any of these boys. She'd be like, "Get out of I, the way!" At the end I of definitely... Twilight. Oh, go okay. ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> at the end of Twilight, when um she finds out that her mom isn't in danger, but she's gonna die, she's right. just relieved. She's thank like, God. "Oh, thank God." <laughs> Everything's um, fine. Right. I think the general um, attitude of, of needing to protect Bella comes, I mean, generally it's primarily Edward and Jake, but it's like, I have to protect what's mine and comes from like a gross sort of masculine place. Well, it is yeah. kind of like the only way that, maybe not the only way, but the primary way that Jacob and Edward express their care is through trying to protect her and honestly that's sort of true of bella herself too isn't it are you talking yeah. about like their love language yeah like the only love language evident in this whole saga is like protect you from danger well edward is very much like words of affirmation but they're like that's so true. flowery and overblown that like sometimes i'm like as a reader legitimately moved when I'm like sucked into it and I'm like in the world I'm like they just love each other so much but like other times when I'm reading it with more like, cynical eye I'm uh, like this is so pop that it becomes meaningless <laughs> <laughs> and I can't even count it what's Jacob's love language touch touch I guess well Olivia's arguing that time. it's like Protection. everybody's is protection <laughs> yeah everyone towards bella is protection i don't yeah. think that that's necessarily their love language for everyone in their life so alice sort of gift giving true yeah. charlie also is mostly like protection towards bella he doesn't say words to her and he, he does not does spend not time do with her <laughs> no quality time and no acts of service <laughs> except for putting those you know, he puts things yeah, on, her the chains on her the tire. chains on her tires yeah but we both came up with the exact same example so there's not that many examples i think the thing about charlie is that if bella like expressed a need he would bend over backwards to supply it for her like no matter what she could possibly need he would try to get it for her but she's so like quiet and like long-suffering that he like she never asks for yeah anything. he like doesn't know what to do if she were like <laughs> yeah you know um i don't know i really need new sneakers but i'm out of cash um he'd be like here's here's money go to the store and like get get whatever if she go was like Newtons. i don't know like i feel really lonely he'd be like all right i'm gonna cancel my fishing plans i'm gonna stay home with you like yeah he always yeah. like half-heartedly offers and then she doesn't take him up on it so I think that, I know, I do think that one, like, probably in Renee and Charlie's relationship, I imagine her asking many things of him and him just being like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna do Doing this. everything. Right, and then I think that uh, when he is with Bella, he's not really accustomed to, like, asking her what she <laughs> wants. Right, because Renee just said it all the time, right. every day. I think Exactly. I think he's just used to like sort of the bossier, stronger female. Um, so I do think that probably acts of service would be his uh, love language if we got to see more of his interactions with other people and whatnot. Maybe. How do we think that Charlie and Renee fell in love in the first place? It was and when they were think... young, right? Yeah. Yeah. They. They got married right after high school, so I assume that Renee grew up in Forks and went to Forks High right. School. Right, because she didn't want to get stuck there. Yeah. Right. 
I think it's sort of, uh, you know, Renee was like the popular bubbly girl and was drawn to like the slightly mysterious, quiet boy who was like really thoughtful and listened to her chatter away and right. thought she was Did funny. Did for her. It's kind of weird that we never see Bella go like, Oh yeah, I'm. I like drove past the house where my mom grew up. I like wonder yeah, what no. it would have been like if. No. It's weird that we don't get any of that. Yeah. Yeah. It never occurred to me that Renee would have grown up in Ford. No. I don't know why. I, I just assumed I she like a, appeared there. I know. I I've definitely like associated her so strongly with the sunshine that in my head right. canon in the past I've thought of her as like growing up elsewhere and then like moving to Forks like maybe just for high school or mm-hmm. like just for senior year or something you know like mm-hmm. maybe like one of her parents like I don't know got transferred there or something right right because it just like it doesn't seem like she has she any roots like there person no. yeah right like their her background doesn't seem to be there and we know that Bella's grandparents are all dead but like it's not even like oh yeah that's like the cemetery where like my grandparents are buried like there's no sense that Renee has any reason to go back to Forks which would be weird if she grew up there yeah totally definitely so the pack all heads with Bella over to Emily's house and um we see we get a little bit of interaction with Embry who I remember and Jared who TBH I don't remember super well they're like betting against each other and I thought it was funny that they she reveals that she guessed the right answer because they're like well how did Jacob tell you because he's not allowed to and I thought it was funny that none of them asked, like, how the fuck did you guess that we were werewolves? <laughs> how did you figure this out? What did we do wrong? And how did you figure this out? Um, I, if I were them, like, even beyond the werewolf thing, I'd be like, hey, just wondering, how did you fall in with the vampires? Yeah, that too. How did that right. happen? Because they were, like, never I mean, interested in anyone before. True. I was going to say, maybe it's just town lore that like oh yeah Edward finally fell in love with this one girl and now she's like in with the weird Cullen family and so to them it would be like well you know she just fell in love with a vampire but that's weird they don't even like believe that vampires have emotions right like they think that she was actually just getting together with Edward or do they think that she figured out they were vampires and wanted to be in with the vampires? Yeah, they uh, probably don't lack ask. Of curiosity is really baffling. Between everybody <laughs> about <laughs> each other in general, yeah. But yeah. they do say, I bet she's tougher than that. She runs with vampires. So she has like a little bit of cachet with them simultaneous to them hating that she runs with vampires. Yeah. Right. Also an iconic line that I really enjoyed yes there are like a few iconic lines in this chapter um another one yeah is emily says to her so you're the vampire girl oh yeah right are you the wolf girl i was like Mm -hmm. ah that's true i remember being like yeah bella you go girlfriend I could just see Melissa like putting it on an icon in like yeah. 2010. Yes. Oh, it was way so- earlier than 2010. <laughs> when did these? This would have been like 2007, 2006. This book came out in 2006. Oh so. crap! I thought it was 2009. Damn. No. Okay. Um. Anyway, it was great. There's some really fun, um, just like banter through here. Absolutely. Like Stephanie Meyer does a great job with just like funny, lighthearted back and forth dialogue. Yeah, um, she does. Embry says, hey, you're not going to faint or puke or anything. She says, I don't think so. You don't look so good. Maybe you should sit down. Okay. Jake should have warned us. He shouldn't have brought his girlfriend into this. What did he expect? Well, the wolf's out of the bag now. Like, all of that is fun. Also, I think Stephanie Meyer did Bella a little bit dirty by making her so prone to nausea, but I, too, am um, a pukey person, and so I kind of identified (laughs) it 
with it. Um, I really appreciated how Stephanie wrote like sort of family interactions, especially among people who aren't literally related to each other. Yeah, chosen family. Mm-hmm. Right. And just also, though, being real bummed that she didn't do this yet for any of the Colin family. That's you true. know, we're just, we're just left, left in the dust for them. But we get nice little pack family interactions. Yeah, it's I true. think one of the most appealing things about the wolves is the super comfy chosen family. Everybody can you know, elbow each other out of the way at the table and have a really nice time with each other, no matter who they are, where they came from. And, like, the Colons are the same way, and, like, they are a chosen family. None of them are actually related to each other. So you would think that, I don't know, there would be similar dynamics, at least in the way that Stephanie portrays them. And yet, at, like, the lunch table, they're, like, silent, not talking to each other (laughs) way. Like, why can't they just be having a good time? Because I was going to say that maybe partly the Cullens always seem a lot warier about Bella being with them. And maybe that's partly because vampires in general don't hang out with humans, but the werewolves do hang out with humans. They're not like isolated by themselves. So whenever we see the Cullens, they're usually sort of scared of hurting Bella, but point when they're hanging out alone at their own lunch table before Bella even shows up they don't have to be weirdos yeah. um I think this goes back to the point where Bella makes that you know right off the bat looking at any of them you know that they're not human right. I mean even if you're don't believe that there are things as vampires like you're like they're not normal right <laughs> <Yeah>. whereas <laughs> uh you know the wheeler boys right growing they're like up. huge would seem like they were going through puberty I think exactly. they would blend in pretty easily right so I do and think that there probably is a sense of like you know that people already kind of treat the Cullens as other and so mm-hmm. it's just really easy for them to sort of uh nestle into that right do you guys consider the werewolves humans not technically what? not not any more than the vampires are I don't think I think that I see them as more human than the vampires. Because even though they, they have this supernatural ability, like, yeah, they spend a lot of their time... As humans. Yeah, in their regular form. And even though vampires are humanoid, like, the werewolves are literally alive. Yeah, I think that I consider them more human than vampires, but I don't think that either one are human. Like, if they didn't heal so fast... Oh, well, I mean, yeah, there's that the point of that, like, aspect. I was going to be like, I mean, if they didn't heal so fa- fast, if they, like, had surgery, it would probably be, like, you know, they'd look normal inside. Right. But then I was like, and they, like, the whole premise age. of this is that if you're trying to say, well, look, they are more human with, if you just imagine that this unhuman thing about them didn't right. exist, right. Like, what's the point? <laughs> and the vampires right. are previously human in the same way the werewolves are. I think they're pretty even. So I know that we all have thoughts about Emily. Mm -hmm. Dig into that. Mm -hmm. Should we read the description? Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Do you want to do it? Sure. So they're finally, um, they're in the house. They're at Emily's. A young woman with satiny copper skin and long, straight, crow-black hair was standing at the counter by the sink popping big muffins out of a tin and placing them on a paper plate. For one second, I thought the reason Embry had told me not to stare was because the girl was so beautiful. And then she asked, you guys hungry? In a melodic voice, and she turned to face us full on, a smile on half of her face. The right side of her face was scarred from hairline to chin by three thick red lines, livid in color though they were long healed. One line pulled down the corner of her dark almond-shaped right eye Another twisted the right side of her mouth into a permanent grimace. Thankful for Embry's warning, I quickly turned my eyes to the muffins in her hands. There's a lot going on. <laughs> um, the fact that her hair is described as crow black. Crow black, yeah. Like she needs to be associated with an animal. Because a natural is, animal. Um, 
indigenous so it's like mm-hmm. oh like everything about her is of the land whereas mm-hmm. you like could just say she's black hair um the fact that her eye is described as mm-hmm. almond shaped mm-hmm. um that's racist um <laughs> her, her eye is eye shaped uh there's this like <laughs> weird thing that white people have about yeah describing people of color like different parts of their body as food like like it's very common to describe brown skin as like the cover color of coffee or chocolate chocolate. Chocolate. like eyes you typically see this more with like asian characters but like describing them as almond shaped and it's like their eyes even yeah they're even if they're there's like a characteristic difference then like almond shaped is not what that looks like Um, i'll also note that i don't think she's described any of the boys eyes like it's sort of a feminized like that quote-unquote exotic look right it's like a hallmark of that kind of description of a woman too i think yeah i think that's very Very fair to say um later her mouth is described as ruined which yes. i found unnecessary i underlined and crossed out every single time that emily was referred to as once beautiful yeah ruined uh emily rolled her good eye right oh the left side of her face warmed and smiled like can we can we not yeah, <laughs> this scar doesn't ruin her in any way or make her less beautiful. I hate, yeah, like once beautiful. I thought it was really strange, actually. So right after that description, she's described as once beautiful. And mm-hmm. then later on, <laughs> this is a very strange description. She met my eyes and I could suddenly see the symmetry underlying her deformity. Her face was still beautiful and alive with a concern even more fierce than mine. It's like you have to be able to see past the scar for her to be beautiful again. I it just want the just like the thing that Stephanie does where she like describes her face in halves like throughout the entire right. chapter. Where like, like the whole left thing is still her face. face. Yeah, it's still her face. And also, like, uh, this is probably my worst sentence, but, like, it says, she stared at me, and neither half of her once beautiful face was friendly. Mm. I'm like, get out! <laughs> yeah, you're... She is capable of being fully friendly, Stephanie. <laughs> neither half of her once beautiful face. Yeah. Like, Stephanie Meyer really genuinely believes that because this woman's looks have been impacted... She is this like pitiable creature who is mm-hmm. less than and whose life cannot be as like full and wonderful and everyone needs to treat her differently. Yeah. Right. This is also skipping ahead, but I mean, she is in other ways quite kind to Emily in terms of the strength of her feelings for these people. like. Bella admires the found family aspect of it and Emily's clear love for everybody else who's here and in that way Bella admires her. I also felt like sort of because of that Emily represents that like unconditional love and self-sacrifice that we were talking about. Like the way that Bella thinks about love is that Like, rational thought is out the window, and you will sacrifice anything and accept anything about a person unconditionally. And I think that's what Emily is supposed to be. Oh, yeah. Especially when we know, like, how she got her scars, who she got them from, and then, like, how in love they're described throughout the rest of the book. I think that Emily definitely represents what she no longer has, even with you know, what she views as cons of the relationship. For sure. We get a lot through this chapter of Bella having to, like, face very strong, like, 
look at very strong romantic feelings that for months she's done a good job of avoiding. Mm-hmm. Like she hasn't watched any romantic movies. She doesn't listen to music on the radio. Um, to go back to the sentence we were talking about before, I was like, even though I had the same reaction of being like, oh, it's like so unnecessary to like look past her deformity. Her face mm-hmm. was still beautiful, like all that gross. But like her face was alive with a concern more fierce than mine. I had to look away right. before the love behind that concern could start me aching again. Mm-hmm. I found that very moving. Right. And just felt like, again, if only Bella could have like conversations with people and talk about her feelings, like right. she and Emily have a lot in common. They're both in love or like, you know, care very deeply about like people with like exceptional lives exceptional in the sense of like deeply deeply out of the ordinary like they're both in danger being with the person that they most want to be with um like if she would just like you know kind of try to get chatty with emily and like connect with her she could have a real friend yeah she's not interested in that she's more interested in like observing this family which i feel like here is kind of fair because she's so new to this scene but i think over time that's super valid yeah yeah i think that this is also just another example of bella not really being concerned about having friendship with people true um i feel like definitely nothing that's important for her Emily is just used as like an example of what could happen to her. Like it's very clear that everybody in this room is worried about Jacob having brought her into the secret, is worried for her safety, assumes that she is a romantic partner. Like everybody just calls her Jacob's girlfriend, even though she denies it. It Um, Even though wonder if Jacob led them to think that. But like, if he ever thinks about it, yeah, how can I you mean, not think about, like, him, like, her being, like, we're not together? Right. Well, maybe, I mean, this is all conjecture, I don't know, but, like, maybe his thought process is just, like, very, very One-sided. possessive, you know? <laughs> right. Maybe he's deluding himself. Like, maybe. he calls her honey all the time, like, maybe he does that in his mind. Right. Maybe he, Correct. like, thinks about her in a very romantic way without thinking about her rejections. Right. Like, it could be that he has, like, even not on purpose, led them to believe that they do have a romantic connection. That's true. That's very possible. Yeah. And so here, I'm pretty sure in this chapter, all we get is the sort of insinuation that Emily has been hurt by one of the werewolves. I feel like you can kind of tell that it's Sam. And it's very clearly three scratches down her face so everybody is sort of already thinking about this and thinking about how to keep Bella safe that's like one of the main issues here a question about those scratches so they're described as like bright red even though they've long since healed and I can't think about what like I can't think of another example of like a wound like that do you guys think that there's like a magic to the wound that like keeps it this like livid red color I think that's the implication yeah right I think it's like a worse scar quote-unquote than it naturally would be if it wasn't a werewolf wound yeah I agree that makes sense so all of this happens Bella goes home at the end of the night um I believe that Melissa covered this in her her recap, but they decide that Belle and Charlie are going to spend as much time at La Push as possible. Mm -hmm. So they go home and Charlie is like, hey, I'm just wondering, because last time we talked about this, you said Jacob was in a gang and you two were in a fight and now you seem really buddy-buddy. And Bella's like, yeah, we made up. And Charlie's like, (laughs) okay, what about that whole gang thing that you called me panicked about? And Bella's like so flippant. She's like, I don't know. know. Who can understand teenage boys? They're a mystery. But I met Sam and his fiance, and they seem like really nice. And if I were Charlie, I'd be like, okay, so Bella is also now in the gang, I guess. (laughs) 
um, whatever like magic hypnosis that Sam Yuli is pulling over people to like make them all love him, it clearly worked on Bella. Like, right. Yeah, she's the worst. Like, I would honestly, poor Charlie. Poor Charlie. Like, she, she called, also, she's not helping her own case because no. she called and was trying to convince Charlie that this was a real problem that he needed to help her with and was so angry when he didn't believe her. And now she's just saying the exact same thing that he said in the first place. So, why right. would Charlie believe you the next time you say that your friends are in a gang and you're really hurt? <laughs> He's just never gonna believe in this gang. It's just like, and then okay, Charlie like doesn't even interrogate how weird this is. No, not at all. No, Charlie's just like, oh, I didn't hear he and Emily had gotten engaged. Yeah, oh, that's, nice. <laughs> that's the only thing he reacts to. The word fiance is all he reacts to. Yeah, and the first thing that he says about Emily is poor girl, <laughs> and the story that has gone around about her is that she was mauled by a bear up north during salmon spawning season horrible accident and that's how that she does get a little bit more detail out of this because she can infer that it had to have happened a year ago when sam was the only werewolf and so it must have been sam who hurt her so she does put the puzzle pieces together there but again that's like the, one of the first things that really reacts to about her and then Bella goes upstairs. She's like ready for bed. And it go like in just a few very short paragraphs, it goes so far off the rails. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of true. One, she's back to thinking Edward's name. She doesn't like shirk away from it anymore. Oh, true. She says, I curled into a tight ball. No, Edward. Well, actually, I need to start before that. Sorry. I thought about what Jacob had said early this morning about hypocrisy. I thought about that for a long time. I didn't like to think that I was a hypocrite. Only what was the point of lying to myself? I curled into a tight ball. No, Edward wasn't a killer. Even in his darker past, he'd never been a murderer of innocence, at least. One, that means he was a killer. Um, yeah, that's not how that works. Yeah, just a killer of people that you two have decided it like are <laughs> not worthy yeah like right which I, is the same as what the werewolves are yeah like if you're gonna discount specific categories of killing then you have to do that for both Edwardian and for the wolves because they're extremely comparable yeah right and I just like don't understand why people and this like gets deeper into like the death penalty I guess but like why people decide like oh yes it is okay to kill some people these people like that i decide about stephanie meyer is a highly religious woman stephanie in the bible the ten <laughs> commandments it does not say thou shalt not kill good people it says you shall not kill it's like don't do it it's not say it doesn't it's say true. you can kill people that other. you decide are acceptable to murder. Right. I like don't understand why like why religious people and three Stephanie specifically and then four of these characters have all decided <laughs> some people it's okay to kill but not right. others. It makes no sense to me. But like even though all those things taken into account, Bella does go in the next paragraph. But what if he had been? Okay, so like, yes, what if he, oh, hold on. What if he was a killer by her own definition? Um, she says, what if during the time that I known him, he'd been just like any other vampire? What if people had been disappearing from the woods just like now? Would that have kept me away from him? And she says, I shook my head sadly. Love is irrational. I'm just like, girlfriend. <laughs> That's her only answer to herself. It's yeah. like, she doesn't truly think like, damn, maybe I would be okay with that. Like, what does that say about me? Right. Like, she kind of like skirts around, like, maybe I would just love him so much that I didn't care if he was murdering innocent people. And then she's like, well, that's just how love goes. Yep. Can't help it. I wrote in my notes, Bella, girl, give yourself some credit. That definitely would have kept you from him. And then I thought about it more and I was like, probably would have been dead by now. And so therefore <laughs> would have been physically kept from him. I think it depends on when she finds out. Like if she had found <laughs> out 
in between their first meeting and like I don't know decision making in the woods yeah and her decision making in the woods (laughs) then she would have like not gone for him I think she would have been like too repulsed and like even though she'd be so pulled to him she'd be like "Mm, no this isn't for me but post decision making if he was like, yeah, right. so every year on decided. my birthday, I um, give myself a little treat and I kill a human, she'd be like, mm, <laughs> well, you are, that's just your nature. It's your nature. I mean, she does say nature. to him, like, why do you bother to do this? It's in your nature to be a predator. Why don't you just do that? She does ask him that, which implies that she might be okay with it. Right. Like, like um, if you were, if you were to be like, I do treat myself once a year, but only to those guilty on murder row. <laughs> and then she'd be like oh okay actually that's right cool. you're doing a service to everyone <laughs> by not making the state do it and so actually we're saving <laughs> taxes yeah you're actually saving the taxpayers a lot of money so <laughs> if any for office um. <laughs> i think the lack of her grappling with this moral ambiguity is part of what really sets Twilight apart from other vampire literature, literature, I personally think in a negative way, because I think I agree. one of the most interesting things about vampire literature is the inherent quandary of you want to be something that subsists on humans, and how do you feel about that? And I have been watching What We Do in the Shadows. Oh my god, that's what's so fun about What We Do in the Shadows. They don't give a shit. (laughs) Yeah, and also there's a human character on it who specifically is trying to become a vampire. Like, he's trying to, like, put in his years as a vampire assistant. So that will eventually turn him. Talking about the TV show, there's also a movie that you should watch, but this discussion is about the show. And I haven't watched it. I, so so much of the tension of so many episodes is, well, I want to be a vampire, but every once in a while I get reminded how they murder, like, a lot of people, and now I'm trying, like, first of all, I'm helping them do murders, and second of all, I'm trying to become something that must murder people, and it's, there's so much humor, but also, like, just the point of vampires is that they don't care about people and then for them to fall into a human like that's the point of the tension of falling in love with a vampire that they want to kill you and I just feel like Stephanie kind of glides past this Maya has been cracking up so hard that you can't even hear her laughing for like the last minute and a half (laughs) his justification is like one time he saw a Latino vampire in a movie and just felt like so seen (laughs) and like representation just really does matter like so funny it's so fun. You have to watch that show because it's, it's lost. so good. The opposite of Twilight. It's such a hilarious show. Uh, Guillermo, but, yeah, he's just, the one. He's the human. He like really yeah. does have these moments of like feeling kind of bad about what he's doing, but all the vampires give so few shits. They'll like, yeah. like kill, murder someone so casually and then be like, um, all right, so what else for the day? You know, like what are we up to they tonight? Treat it- like food, because that's what yeah. it is. Like, you don't think every time. Do you, you guys watch Vampire Diaries? Yes, no. I did watch a lot of Vampire Diaries. And I was thinking of that also when I brought this up. Right. So, like, I do think that one of the things that I found really interesting about Vampire Diaries is they have, like, the two characters that sort of represent the opposite end of the spectrums. Stefan, who's really into you know the moral high ground right. and then he has his brother Damon who's like your typical vampire kills people and whatever but right. they're like has a great time both the it. love interests mm-hmm. and so and I mean the main character Elena she like gets with both of them I think she I never right. finished the series I think she ends up with Damon who is you really know, the, the bad guy I never but, watched like, the also, end either I know but he's like you know like they 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 flesh him out but like the whole point is that he's a vampire that really sort of lives as a vampire lives as a vampire I think like that's that's the tension like the tension for the main character is mm-hmm. the moral quandary of being a vampire and that's why it's interesting to Olivia's point of this being a departure from like vampire literature I feel like the Cullens are much more human aligned than vampires and other vampire stories like in what we do in the shadows they have really surrendered their humanity so when they're killing humans they don't care about it 
But right. the Cullens are like human lovers, you know? Like they love people and they're grossed and out never, by wanting to eat them. Yeah, their only murders are in the past. Like even in Vampire Diaries, um, they murder Stephon, people. All the, time. the good one like goes through periods where like he yeah. fails and he does murder people. And right. Yeah, the Cullens just like have it way too easy. Yeah. Their conscience. Um, and then we end with a kind of nice image where even though I'm sick and tired of reading about Bella's dreams, um, <laughs> Bella is once again in a dream. She's in this like void of the forest and normally she'd be like searching. Um, but she says, I sit in the forest again, but I didn't wander. I was holding Emily's scarred hand. Unnecessary to mention that it's scarred. We already yep. know, but fine. <laughs> As we faced into the shadows and waited anxiously for our werewolves to come home. Um, very strong when will my husband return from war vibes right <laughs> yes but i wrote was... <laughs> old tiny widows of the sea <laughs> <laughs> i wrote my eyes have rolled back into my head <laughs> i thought it was nice to see bella standing in solidarity with a woman for once well, that's true but i think emily is really being used as a symbol and not a person here yeah um fair enough <laughs> i think this is exactly the kind of image that I have like both simultaneous feelings about where there is definitely part of me that finds the like old timey widows of the sea to be a romantic image and like there's a part of me that is drawn to that as a romantic image and simultaneously my own modern self is like that's dumb women to have their own lives instead of waiting for their monsters to come home to them. I hate it. <laughs> I mean that's the correct response. <laughs> I think it's good to bring up because um, the thesis of the show, of the pod, has always been like, look, there's a lot of good here and a lot that's really appealing. And all some of it is the bad. same things. Yeah, <laughs> right? it's, it's the same sentence. <laughs> Speaking of sentences, best sentence, worst sentence. I'm not prepared. Okay. I used to prepare for this. <laughs> um, I have a. I have both of mine. I already read my worst sentence. Ready but, to go. Okay. Um, my worst sentence, as I read before, was in reference to Emily. She stared at me, and neither half of her once beautiful face was friendly. Just gross. Ugh. Um, my worst sentence is, I think, the same as like we've already discussed just that whole segment where Emily is like described for the first time and she's right. like so ruined and destroyed I was mm -hmm. like oh. it's kind of hard to pick a best because I, I love like best, but it's like a jokey best no oh. <laughs> I think there's a lot of like legitimately fun dialogue yeah mine's dialogue that's true I mean, I think my worst, I would just have to go with the description that Sam kisses Emily's ruined mouth again. That's, yep. that's the worst of this chapter, really. I mean, it's some of the worst description of the book, for right. sure. I'm going to move on to my best, because um, mm -hmm. it's right after that. So Bella is like you know, annoyed because it's legitimate romance and she doesn't like romantic things. Um, <laughs> I stared at the flowers, trying to ignore the utter peace of their moment and the wretched throbbing of my wounds. Mm. I was like, ooh, wretched throbbing. Yeah, that's good. I was like, she's that's pretty good. good at describing pain. Yeah. yeah, which I don't, that like makes me sad um, to think about what that might imply for Stephanie's own life. <laughs> I have to turn off my camera. That's okay. Sorry. My computer is also about to die. Um, this was just a sweet image. Uh, when Sam first comes home, Emily, he said, and so much love saturated his voice that I felt embarrassed, intrusive as I was in his wide hands. He leaned down and kissed the dark scars on her right cheek before he kissed her lips. Very romantic, even though it's like continued focus on her scars and how they love each other despite everything that hap has happened between them. Mm -hmm. But like the, the one stride, 
I know. There's like the it urgency. has to go over as soon as he gets home. It is nice to get some of that because we have not had any of that in this book. Yeah. Because, so <laughs> true. It is nice to see like oh, two people. It really is so funny that like you read Twilight because you like enjoy this love story and then you're like, oh, I'm ready for book two. And there's no <laughs> romance. No romance. Um, my best sentence is some dialogue. And, um, it's, geez, Paul, one of the other boys, probably Jared, muttered get a grip <laughs> yeah paul is making this impassioned speech and he's just like oh my god get a grip get a grip paul jeez i love the dialogue through this whole flipping chapter like i could have picked a best sentence for many of these she runs with vampires that's a best sentence are you the wolf girl True. that's a best sentence like yep. even just like Jared being like oh we can use Bella as bait and Jacob being like Bella is not bait <laughs> it's they're funny. not food <laughs> they're it's just really funny fun. and it's nice because there's not a lot of funny moments in this book in particular yeah we like finally see pleasant interactions between people right it's very it's very nice right normally everything is very dramatic very sure. do or die very and much like, like Bella her- all tormented about how much she loves Jacob how she doesn't want to make out with him exactly so it's nice to have like some banter that we I guess previously rely on Emmett or whomever for for like one-liners Emmett only ever gets a one-liner in yeah yeah I've made this argument a lot that like I think the fandom has like like projected a lot of person my son absolutely like, I hope it's not just Edward, like, brooding alone the whole time. Like, I want to see him interacting with his family. It's definitely going to be 80% Edward brooding, though. Yeah. I mean, I like the brooding, so I want a lot of brooding, just not <laughs> right. exclusively brooding. But, like, you know, if it's an 800-page book, that still leaves a significant amount for non-brooding. True. Get ready to make some icons. I can't <laughs> wait. Yeah. Um, so we said that we would read emails at the end because we forgot at the beginning but here's the thing my computer is going to die um and it's really loud in the other room because they're playing loud music right above my room so i say we save our emails for next time around and uh cut to the credit that's fine Uh, i think next week i think next week we're reading two chapters i believe chapter 15 and 16. right because they they go right into each other amaze as always, you can email us with questions and comments at twilightfacepodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, check out patreon.com slash twilightfacepodcast. A very special thanks to all of our patrons, Jillian, Asher, Josh, Melina, Bridget, and Eric. Y'all are the best. You can all follow us at twilight underscore phase on in- Twitter and Instagram and twilightfacepodcast on Tumblr. Disclaimer, we own nothing. The Twilight universe and all characters belong only to Stephanie Meyer. Please don't sue us. Audio editing by Maya Marlette. Cover Mm -hmm. image by Laura Shermer. Our theme music is written and performed by Adrian Mooring. We'll be back next week. And if you don't like it, you can bite me. (laughs) Hi, Sam. Bye, Bye, everyone.